Money FM 89.3. Best of the evening runway. Why it matters. Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon. It's the evening runway. Time now for Why It Matters. Here's an interesting stat for you. In the past year, cyber attacks have touched 120 countries, fueled by government sponsored spying and with influence operations also rising. Now, that's according to Microsoft's fourth annual digital defense report. At times, nearly half of these attacks targeted NATO member states, and more than 40% were leveled against government or private sector organizations involved in building and maintaining critical infrastructure. So while headline-grabbing attacks from the past year often focus on destruction or perhaps financial gains, ransomware, the data is showing the predominant motivation has swung back to a desire to steal information, you know, covertly monitoring communication, manipulating what people read, things like that. Let's find out more about this study. I'm quite excited. In the studio with me is Dennis Chung, Chief Security Officer for Microsoft Singapore. Dennis, good afternoon. Welcome. Hi, Alian. Thanks for having me here. So the fourth annual Digital Defense Report. Okay, what was the aim of this report other than making for a pretty good reading there? <laughs> it's 128 pages long. So okay. It's a good nighttime story. All right. But the main, but the main intention is yeah. to really light up the cyberspace. Okay. We believe in building an ecosystem based on trust and okay. transparency. And with us having the insights, we have a lot of telemetry information we felt we should share with the community mm. just to let them be aware and so they can take protection as necessary. So four years on, right, this being the fourth report, how have you seen things like cyber defense evolve? Oh, well, long time ago, attackers too tend to break in. Yeah. But we see the trend that attackers these days, they don't break in. Okay. They actually log in. That's the interesting fact or trend that you, it, you, you see. It's almost like uh, there's no harm there. Right? Your own yeah. people is going in kind okay. of thing. So if you see the previous year's report, we were actually observing and we had statistics that successfully blocked about 1,002 mm. attempts okay. uh, every second. Okay. Wow. Uh, in this year, that changed to 4,000. So we 4,000 a yes. second? So we have successfully blocked 4,000 attempts on an identity attack per okay. second. Yeah, mine is always switched on. Even though it slows <laughs> things down, or leave it switched on. Yeah. To, so, yeah, I mean, you, you talked about how they used to try and break in, now they log in. Mm-hmm. And I remember conversations in the past, there's always been some of these hackers or bad guys, they do it for good sport just because they can. Mm. How come they've become more sophisticated now? Well, it may not be the same guys. Sure. Yeah. It could be a diverse set of uh, interests. Okay. Some of them could be just after information. Mm. Some of them could just be interested in monetary gains. Some of them could just be interested in causing disruption. Sure. But in either of those, what is important for us to realize is that the personal cyber hygiene is of utmost importance. Yes. And so from a cyber hygiene perspective, we want to allow everybody to understand Adopting the basic cyber hygiene is super essential to defending against such broad spectrum of attack. Sure. And that's a big evolution as well uh, that I've noticed. A lot of experts coming out to say that, hey, at the end of the day, the greatest defense is you yourself. Mm-hmm. Although I am curious, you, you talked about information. If you don't mind me just honing in on that one. What information do they want? What's the most interesting information for them? Information can mean different value to different individuals. Okay. Some information could be useless to you, but it could mean gold to others. Okay. So I can't specifically say what would their intention be sure. or interest or value of data would be, but as long as it's data, if someone leaks my private data, I will be concerned. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. So that's the individual. What about companies? Which are the most at risk? Actually, everybody will be at risk. It's, mm-hmm. it's no longer of a conversation of if it will happen to me. It's yeah. more of a conversation when. of when. Yeah. Based on the telemetry information, we process about 65 trillion signals per day. Yeah. That translates to a lot of information for us to process. For organizations looking at that sheer amount of data, the processing power is unheard of. <sighs> and so we don't go just specifically into the information protection aspects, but what are the tools we give to the community to defend themselves. And interestingly, everybody talks about AI. Mm. So we are also deploying AI and putting AI into a lot of our tools for individuals and for organizations and, of course, for cyber defenders as well. Well, since you brought up AI, I had a conversation earlier on in the show with my co-host, Tian Tian. She brought up a fact, could AI be seen as a double-edged sword? I'm sure you've been <laughs> given this question or asked this question a lot yes. of times. So how would you handle it? Okay, so AI, on the back of things, they are always having good intention. Sure. But if you put the tools into the wrong hands, we always expect things to be Still back down to the right? human, right? Yes. Yeah. And so it is important that as we develop and as we deploy AI into the various aspects of how we build things up, mm. it is important to ground the essence of AI based on a specific set of principles. So in Microsoft, we have been advocating responsible AI sure. that comes on a few pillars. We talk about being fair. Mm. We talk about being transparent. We talk about being accountable on how you derive on a set of information. And of course, inclusiveness, that's Mm. the most important aspect. And so by building these gut reels and the various principles we put into our products, we feel these are the baseline that everybody should be offered to. It's it's almost as if AI is going to be the answer to equality in that sense, but you have to have the right principles. It's weird. It's like you're treating AI as Mm -hmm. a child that you're developing since it is still in that learning phase. We don't know how Mm. long, or do we (laughs) know how long that's going to last. Okay, on to the part that I'm really interested in, espionage. How does this come into the picture? Espionage is an action where people from an adversary organization's or individuals who wants to know some information by putting themselves into a line of trust. Okay. Uh, and so it is important for us to understand the practice of zero trust. Mm-hmm. So espionage operations, or for lack of a better way, spy operations, basically stealing information or looking into your information without you possibly knowing. Mm. So by practicing zero trust is a foundation where you are able to build a level of cyber hygiene to guard against such espionage operations possibly. And we go into different tenets of zero trust. For example, you want to verify every single individual devices and access into your environment. That's one. Mm. Second, we always assume that you're on an assumed breach stand. Yes. So we always want to look into the visibility of your environment, mm. ensuring that you have the information to detect things if necessary. And lastly, we work on the least privileged approach. Okay. So whoever you are granting access to, making sure you are just giving them the minimal level set of access. The reason is because in the digital defense report, you will start realizing that we also reported that if an adversary compromised an endpoint, it only takes about an hour, maybe 14, 15 minutes in addition to move laterally. And the ability to move laterally means you have acquired some level of 
privileges which perhaps is yes. not supposedly granted to the individual. And so that is a very dangerous thing, if you ask me. But the guts are there. Mm. And, and so the, the community is moving towards zero trust. So adopting zero trust, it's an important stand as a baseline. I, I generally don't trust anyone or anything, but that's because I used to be a government investigator. And as you were mentioning that, I started thinking, wait a minute, a lot of men here in Singapore have gone through national service. Now you have women as well. Mm-hmm. Doesn't that mean that with that level of perceived security ability, there is also that level of data that's... So where does... Where then the Singapore rank in terms of targeted nations? Is this wow. something that you look at? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so Singapore is actually one of the leading innovation and digital hub around the region. Sure. In fact, I can safely say around the world. Yeah. yeah. And I we say that, which means we are highly connected. Our mm. community are highly connected. It also means that our risk is probably a lot higher. Mm. Yes. And thereby... It emphasizes the importance of us bringing everybody above what we call the cyber poverty line. Okay. Yeah. And, and we really mean arming the community, the organizations, the individuals with the base set of tools or capabilities to defend themselves against cyber threats. Okay. Would you believe that that kind of paranoia is the reason why I don't have an electronic lock? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I kid. But you, you mentioned earlier on AI as a tool, but in the wrong hands... So should we not be naive about this? As much as we are embracing AI, let's not forget that there could be someone on the bad guy's side who are using AI to attack. What would the approach be here? How do we, like for companies that want to embrace AI, what would your advice be there? Okay, so for companies embracing AI, validate the AI tools where they're coming from. Okay. So if you check on, we are a pioneer member of an IMDA program mm. known as the AI Verify. Okay. And within the AI Verify program, we are building a set of toolkits. Okay. for the individuals or companies who are going into AI to evaluate if their approaches in AI are correct okay. or to a certain extent safe and sound for the purpose of what they are building it for. Okay. Uh, and so such foundations are important. Uh, so don't forget the AI Verify program and the uh, responsible AI programs we have. So there's a lot of, and, and again, you know, with approach to tech, it's, there's a lot of collaboration involved mm. uh, as what you have just mentioned. I, I know you mentioned uh, earlier on about the cyber poverty line. We talked about the individual. What about for businesses? How do we ensure that, or, or what is Microsoft doing to ensure that they are above that, that I'm cyber glad poverty you Line, yeah. <laughs> uh, somewhere in the middle of October, Microsoft actually just re-extended or rather uh, reaffirmed our commitment to work with the community. And in this case, in the Singapore International Cyber Week, we actually announced a deepening of our relationship with Cybersecurity Agency of Singapore Okay, to deepen our collaboration to shore up the defences of this island. Mm. And by shoring up defences, it would mean access to resources, I assume. Resources, knowledge, skill sets build up, toolkits and so forth, you name it. But if for organisations... I would still ground them on getting started with perhaps the Cyber Trust program. Right. And, and, and where are we on that front as far as building up skill sets? I mean, in the news today, they're talking about skills future launching this platform, help people mm-hmm. understand better job trends. Obviously, digital is, is going to be high on that list. How are Singaporeans embracing that continuous approach to upgrade themselves and, you know, be 
ready for this world of AI? Wow. So, so Microsoft also partners with several entities. Uh, nice. Skills Futures, you actually yep. Brought, brought, yep. brought up one of them. We look into a joint view of how we develop a job description. Okay. And oh. then look into what are the skills gaps required. Okay. And then we look into the arsenal of educational materials we have and show up our training partners to help in that space. Wow. And there are programs and contents we have lined up together publicly, actually. Mm, there you go. Yet another example of collaboration in this space. I've been speaking with Dennis Cheng, who's the Chief Security Officer for Microsoft Singapore. Thank you very much for coming by the studio today. Thank you, Elliot. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.